Okay, let us pray. We thank you, dear Lord Jesus, for your sacrificial love for us in that you were crucified and died on the cross of Calvary and shed your blood to cleanse us of our sins and defeated death to give us life. In your name, amen. When our forum, How to Love, When It's Hard to Love, we're going to look at look up, mean look to God, and look in, look at ourselves, and look out, look out for others. God is our supreme example. 1 John 4.10 says, Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Thus we need always to look up to God. He loved us while we were still sinners. Let us digest this verse. Let's define sin. Anger, jealousy, idolatry, murder, gossip, theft. Hence there is no redeeming quality or trait in us that propels God to love us. He loved us because his love is intrinsic in his character. That's extremely essential. It emanates from him. He sent his son to be crucified on the cross of Calvary, shed his blood and died to cleanse us from our sins. It is agape sacrificial love. God is our reference. God is love, 1 John 4.16. The Trinity displays perfect love. And 1 Corinthians 13 defines God's way of loving. Love is long-suffering, kind, rejoices with the truth, always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love does not envy, it does not boast, does not keep records of wrong, Delight does not delight in evil. Love is not proud, self-seeking, or easily angered. Let's look at our definition of love. Human nature is all about. Webster defines love as the attraction, desire, or affection felt for a person who arouses delight or admiration or elicits tenderness, sympathetic interest, or benevolence. The Oxford definition of love also an intense feeling of deep affection, a great interest and pleasure in something. I don't know if you notice the immense difference between God's love and love according to our human nature. You know that his love emanates from him. It's intrinsic in God's character. But our love is contingent upon traits, characteristics displayed by the other person or thing. That's extremely important. At first glance, there is nothing wrong with this definition. And this is how we behave. But it belies the fact that it falls short, way short of God's love. Note that according to 1 Corinthians 13, love is not determined by our feelings. Speaking of human nature, um, a gentleman was, a middle-aged gentleman was walking on the California shoreline, kicking sand, very despondent, sad. And as he was kicking sand, he kicked 
something metallic, so I picked it up. It was a lamp, so I was removing, getting the uh, sand off of it. And a genie materialized. And the genie said, you know, I'm sick and tired of you people. Every time I get out of this lamp, you want three wishes. I'm going to give you only one. The gentleman said, sure, that's fine. So genie told him, okay, what's your wish? The gentleman said that I have family who, that lives in Hawaii, and uh, I am, um, I'm scared stiff to fly, and I am, um, get very seasick flying, uh, going by ships. Can you construct for me a highway from California to Hawaii so that I can go and visit my family? Jeannie thought about it for a while and said, are you kidding me? That's impossible to do. You know how much asphalt and steel and cement we need? I'll give you another wish. I said, okay, I've been married and divorced five times. Could not keep a proper marriage. I took lessons. I went to psychologists. I read books. I prayed, and nothing has worked out. Can you give me some advice as to how I can meet a lady and have a successful marriage? And Jeannie said, about that highway, how many lanes do you want? <laughs> I would just... <laughs> But, well, this, this is not a forum about marriage, but to tell us human relationships are, are, are pretty tough. Relationships can be tough and messy. It is easier for me to give up than to endure, to walk away than to listen and understand, to be right and decide the other is wrong, to be self-focused, to take revenge, to be obstinate than to hear another perspective and to judge. Our excuses, they won't listen, they won't change, and they won't understand. To love when it is hard to love implies conflict or division. Identify a person in your life who is hard to love, and this is now asking you, Ask yourself, what do I need to change in myself to love that person better? Think about this, and I'm waiting for responses. Just call out any responses. No problem. So you need to see the person as Jesus sees the person. Okay, great. Any others? Brother? To love the sinner or hate the sin. Good. Any, wait. To understand, I'm repeating for the recording, to understand that I'm a sinner too and I really need God's love also. Do not be proud. To realize I can't change the other person, but I can only change myself. Let me ask you, are you coming up with examples that sort of sound good and make sense? Or are you looking at you? What do I need to change in myself to love that person better as you think of somebody in your life that you're having struggled with loving? And, and, and what do you do, what do you have to do to change that? So we need so it's pride that interferes and you judge that person and decide how worthy they are of your love 
And you obviously have to change that by going to God in prayer. Sister? So to be intentional in relationship to overcome the conflicts and hurdles. Uh, sister behind you. Go ahead. Make, make an effort time. and take time. I get too wrapped up in what I'm doing, my perspective, and I'm not my perspective. And it's on me and where they're coming To take time and to be more understanding of the other person's perspective. To have a closer walk with Christ and have your faith increase. Focus on the positive things about that person, not the negatives. Great. So let me try to. Uh, so you're going to live with whatever this person is, and he may not or she may never change to be somebody who's easier to love, but I'm going to accept that and continue to love the way God wants me to love that person. Thank you. At the missionary conference, we were uh, told the story of the pastor of the Emmanuel Church in Charlottesville, where the massacre. So we can't begin to really love until we can forgive any of the wrongs that were done. Next slide. So we have to look up to God. We cannot truly love until we are filled with the Holy Spirit and our minds are transformed. Romans 12, 1 through 2 states, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Again, we cannot love as God loved us unless we're filled with his spirit. Genuine love is never a product of, 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 the, of the creation. We have to get it from the Lord. Looking up to God again, the first and greatest commandment, love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second commandment is 12, Mark 12, 31, and the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. And John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. So it's a commandment of God to love him with everything you have and love your neighbor as you love yourself. And the other thing to remember is that obedience, which often is not a very nice word to have to do, but it's not grievous when you remember and know that you can trust God and that God is good, all-powerful, loving, our creator and protector. Yeah, we love God again before because he first loved us. All love ultimately comes from God. And again, genuine love is never self-generated by his creatures. Love does not mean agreeing. Love does not mean all the same. Love does not mean to tolerate. Love is not being a doormat, enabler, 
or codependent, and love is not lust. So again, we need to look up to learn the true love, because human nature and human understanding of love gets very confused sometimes. How can we actually love when it is against our nature? You have to take responsibility for your action, reactions and emotions. Do not blame, do not ruminate over hurts, and do not get into victim mentality. Looking in means to have introspective moral judgment by evaluating your own character, thoughts, words, actions with Jesus as your measure. This result in humility. Again, how can we love when it's against our nature? Meditate on God's word and compare it with your thoughts. Repent. Ask God's forgiveness of sinful attitudes, thoughts, words, actions. And again, forgive, forgive, forgive. Matthew 6, 14 through 15 states, If you do not forgive other people's trespasses, God will not forget yours. Will not forgive yours. Matthew 18, 21 through 22, forget 70 times 7, which means its forgiveness should be unlimited. Ephesians 4, 32, forgive like Christ forgave you. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Forgiveness. If you want to read a testimony that shows a modern-day example that God's ways work, Read the story, for, there were many, but read the story of Joyce Meyer, who was sexually, mentally, emotionally, and verbally abused by her father. And her mother didn't do anything about it, and yet was set free from bitterness by Christ. She prayed and forgave her father and mother in degrees. Although she forgave them, she initially did not want to be around them. She only went to them when she had to. But then God actually challenged her to care for them. And by the grace of God, she was able to care for her parents until the days they died. And interestingly, my parents were married over 70 years before my dad died, and we were all together at a family reunion. The question was asked what they appreciated about each other. And the answer was being quick to ask for forgiveness and being quick to forgive. Now, looking at ourselves... Ask what Jesus would do. Jesus visited and dined with sinners. He touched and healed lepers. He freed the possessed from demons. He gave up all his rights, as in Philippians 2, 7 through 8. But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on the cross. Ultimately dying on the cross. Said, And Jesus said, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Change your image of people and see them as Christ, as Christ Jesus sees them. In preparing for this forum, I asked a few people for testimonies of how they were able to love when it was difficult. I'll read some of these as they were communicated to me, which were in the first person. My parents took in foster kids. 
One was particularly slovenly, dirty, with messy, greasy hair, runny nose, making disgusting noises of snorting, clearing her throat, spewing out honkers, coughing up phlegm, and spitting out of the window of the car continually. It was so intense that I was nauseated and tried to avoid gagging. When she got out of the car, I asked my dad, how do you put up with her? And he said, Jesus loved me when I was so much worse. And none of what she is today is her fault. And she is one of his most precious creatures. His answer shamed me. It completely changed me. Instead of looking at her as a whole, I could start it out by just looking in her eyes. I started praying for her, and before she left my parents' care, I really felt love for her. It also changed the way I look at people, I look at people from that time onward. So we need to change our mindsets to be consistent with the mind of Christ. People are made in God's image, as in Genesis 1, 26 through 27. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him, male and female he created them. And remember, it's not only you that was created in God's image. Everybody, all humans, were created in God's image. And people are eternal beings, being loved by God, as stated by C.S. Lewis, the way the glory. God's sacrificial love for people in the very famous uh, verse, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Continuing with building relationships, pray for yourself. As in Matthew 7, 3 through 5, you should not, you really don't see the mote in your brother's eye unless you get the beam out of your own eye. Ask the other person for forgiveness, as in Ephesians 4, 32, and be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Pray for the other person that God would bless them, as in Matthew 5, 44. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Believe the best, as in 1 Corinthians thirteen seven. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Don't gossip, as in Proverbs eleven thirteen. A talebearer revealeth secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. Bless with your words, as in Ephesians four twenty nine. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Do not judge as in Matthew 7, 1 through 2. Do good, Luke six twenty seven. Help those in need, as in 1 John three seventeen through 18. Don't gloat if they have trouble, Proverbs twenty four seventeen. 
treat people the way you want to be treated, Matthew 7, 12. Get to know them. Listen and try to understand. Spend time together. You may build a relationship. Find a common ground or common goal. Uh, this is another testimony about not judging. A friend invited her friend to play tennis with our group. The new person's appearance really turned me off. She wore loads of makeup and jewelry, but what bothered me more was that after the game, when we had coffee together, she would smoke cigarettes nonstop. But since she was a good tennis player, she became part of our group. I prayed for God to help me overcome my prejudice and my judgment on her outward appearance. And as I got to know her better, my attitude changed. Thereafter, even the smoking didn't bother me. I prayed for her. She had real problems. She became a friend that needed to know the Lord, and I continued to pray for her. I learned, don't judge a person by their appearance. Oops, sorry. Um, you know, you're toasted. You can read those? Okay. So there's another um, testimony. As a new employee, I encountered an established employee who clashed with me and was competitive with me. She put me down and generally irritated me. I was very upset with this conflict day after day. I prayed for her. I even prayed that God would bless her. But I expected her to change with God's help through my prayers. That didn't work. Then I prayed that I would not react, and that helped me to have more control over my emotions. I no longer was stuck playing her competitive game. Later, an opportunity came for us to work together with a common goal. We worked together, but she tried to take all the credit for the good results. I was again tempted to be competitive, but I was counseled. Who cares who gets the credit? The higher goal was getting, the, getting accomplished. I was then able to relinquish those feelings of envy. I realized our goals were accomplished, and that was more important. And furthermore, they were accomplished because we needed each other's strengths. And I also gained a friend, even that a friend outside of work. Looking out for others, whom to love? Everybody, even your enemies. As in Luke 6, 27 through 28. But I say unto you which hear, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you, bless them that curse you, and pray for them which despitefully use you. Definitely your brothers and sisters in Christ, as in Ephesians 4, verses 2 and 3, with all loneliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So treat everybody with respect, kindness, patience, as in 1 Corinthians 13. People don't determine how I treat people. Stop and think about this. Who determines how I treat people? You do. Yeah, we're usually steered by people how we're going to respond and react to others under, because of social and other pressures. Benefits of loving God's way. You will please and glorify God. As in John 15:8, Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, 
so shall ye be my disciples. You will be changed. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. You love God, and you know God more. The person may be changed, as in 12, Romans 12, uh, 20. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirsts, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. You will help him to wonder and, and, and think about your treatment of him, and that might bring him to repentance and uh, coming to God. You will have peace, joy, hope, and become more Christ-like, as in Romans 2.10. But glory and honor and peace to every man that worketh good, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. Abundant life, as in uh, John 10.10. 10. The thief cometh not for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Uh, this is another uh, testimony. My grown married children not only left our fellowship, but continued criticizing and mocking my church and faith, and I became extremely upset. It was destroying my relationship with them. I wanted to distance myself from them. I realized I was getting bitter. On a long car ride, I happened to listen to a TED Talk. If you guys know those, they're kind of cool, about 10, 15-minute little talks of various subjects. But anyway, it was entitled, What Makes a Good Life? Lessons from the Longer Study on Happiness. And it's about a 75-year Harvard study that is still going on today. And it's actually very interesting. I recommend that you check it out. Um, and it shows that good relationships keep us happier and medically healthier and longer life. Anyway, the Holy Spirit worked through this secular study to help me reset my mind. I was becoming enslaved under the bondage of bitterness, and I realized that would spread to negatively affect many other relationships of mine. I realized showing love to foster good family relationships is even more important than theological differences. We were able to agree to disagree. Continuing with benefits of loving as God loved, like John 17, 21 through 23, that they may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, and that they may also be one in us, that the word may believe that thou hast sent me and the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the word may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them, as thou hast loved me. It's an amazing thing for Christ to bring us to a unity also with the Trinity, to love as God, to love people as God loved us. A new commandment in John 13, 34 through 35, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if you have love one for another. Loving one on one is just a small part of God's plan. We strive for unity, and of course, this is counterculture. We tend to think as individuals and one-on-one -on -one relationships 
the concept of a loving community, a building of living stones with Christ as the cornerstone, the body of Christ with Jesus as the head, is clearly described in the Bible. But we do not think in terms of loving for the good of the whole. God is asking us to have another paradigm shift. Our love within the body of Christ and the unity that results is what draws people to Jesus and what glorifies and pleases God. Suggested biblical um, passages to, to read and memorize. Romans 12, a living sacrifice. Colossians 3, rules for holy living with your affection on Christ. Ephesians 4, unity in the body of Christ. Philippians 2, 1 through 4, imitate Jesus' humility, putting on the mind of Christ. And Matthew 5, chapters 5 to 7, Jesus' words on Sermon on the Mount. I think I skipped this one, but there was a friend of mine who, within her church, there were a group of members who were disruptive, causing divisions. And she found that praying and reading and rereading Romans 12 helped to prepare her with a godly mindset. When she did that every time before going to church or even meeting with these people, and that helped her a great deal. Key points to remember, God loves us, and we were undeserving of his love. Jesus died for that other person out of his love. We are all made in God's image. Choose to be obedient to God and love versus being right. Have a verse to remember when tempted to retaliate or choose not to love. Listen, try to understand, and get to know the person. Replace a negative image of a person with one according to God's perspective. You gain spiritual benefits, physical and emotional benefits, as we mentioned in the secular study. If we say we love God but hate others, we are liars. 1 John 4.20 God is glorified when we truly love others, especially when, as a body of believers, we have unity in love. So in summary, look up to God and Christ's example for the absolutely significant and essential help of the Holy Spirit. Look in, pray to gain the mind of Christ, repent, and work out your salvation with fear and trembling, as in Philippians 2.12. Forgive, forgive, forgive. Like the brother said back here. <laughs> look out, love others as God loves you. Love to please slash obey God. This is an interesting paragraph I got from My Atmos for His Highest by Oswald Chambers. Again, I'm sure some of you uh, know, are aware of him and read his uh, writings. The love of God pays no attention to my prejudices caused by my natural individuality. If I love my Lord, I have no business being guided by natural emotions. I have to feed his sheep. Beware of counterfeiting the love of God by following your own natural human emotions, sympathies, or understandings that will only serve to revile and abuse the true love of God. Jesus has some extraordinarily peculiar sheep. Some are unkept and dirty, some are awkward and pushy, and some have gone astray. But it is impossible to exhaust God's love. And it is impossible to exhaust my love 
if it flows from the Spirit of God within me. Uh, we have about 10 minutes, so it's open to questions, comments, revelations. Help. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, brother. Thank you. Can you talk a little louder, please? Give her the thing. Sorry. I just want to throw out another sort of angle on this. Um, you touched on it briefly when you talked about the Joyce Meyer situation. And even if this just helps one or two people in this room, I know for myself, I found myself going through life having a really hard time with a couple of people in my life and had a lot of triggers. And my husband kept saying to me, you just got to be more resilient. And I said, I can't. I don't know why, but I can't. And it wasn't until the Lord showed me that I needed help because there was too much dysfunction in my heritage, in my personal family background that had affected me as a child. And I was able then to humble myself to get help from a Christian counselor and that helped me understand things that helped me now I'm in the process of overcoming those things so that I can learn to love with God's love because some of those blocks have been taken out of the way so the enemy will use things in our past to make it more difficult for us and I know for myself I put myself down for years what is wrong with me I'm a Christian I have the Holy Spirit in me why can I not love the way I ought to and so if there's anybody struggling with that please don't bear that weight on yourself, but maybe seek out more counsel and help to, um, to be able to break those barriers. Anybody else? I just need to make a disclaimer here. You've mentioned Joyce Meyer in your presentation, and Joyce Meyer was just brought up again. Joyce Meyer is a word of faith practitioner you must take extreme caution when you study any of her materials. Study it, look it up, whatever. Be careful. Be discerning. Thank you for that. I was just going to second the, the idea of um, Christian counseling as well. Uh, sometimes it really takes a professional to get deep into that history. And so that shouldn't be something that's you know ashamed or something like that. That should be something that's supported. But you know even even if it's not a Christian counselor, even just sharing, um, you know, with someone of the same gender, another believer, another brother or sister, to get perspectives and how they've handled situations to love, I think that would be powerful and helpful. Yeah, and even finding a Christian counselor can be tricky. And to confirm your point, we just said that you should be steered by God's word, and not by people. Yes, thank you so much for mentioning that. Carol's down here. I don't know who else. Oh. Debbie. I've been thinking how um, all of these themes that we've been studying, Brent and I, for about two weeks now, and then during the missionary conference, one thing that has struck me, um, <clears throat> getting rid of the sovereign self. And so... Um, I've been thinking and praying for months about what is true worship. How can I, 
we call a lot of things worship, but I just keep thinking there's something missing. And in one of the um, teachings we got, it said you can't worship until you get rid of sovereign self. I don't think we can forgive until we get rid of sovereign self. And I don't think we can love until we stop loving ourselves. I really admire the two of you speaking of this. I know that you come out of um, some of your own personal story. And I have used you as an example in giving hope to couples that are struggling in their marriages. I was wondering if you could just share a little bit um, how God brought the two of you back together again. How, how about I share, at least start with just some of the lessons I learned. Would that be good? Okay, first thing was filling my mind with scripture, memorizing, Bible study, going to church, and so on. Truly kind of like flooding my mind. The other thing I had to learn, and this is where some counseling helped, um, communication <coughs> skills. Um, I had to learn things like how to appeal to authority, and what real submission was, and not a doormat. I kind of used to go from down doormat to being very aggressive. Um, And so learning how to appeal to authority, kind of like Daniel and his friends when they were captured and they refused to eat the king's food. He set up an experiment and let his immediate authority decide. And he said, well, if, you're, if this doesn't work out, we'll just follow what you want. But, of course, God's hand was in it, and um, they didn't have to eat the king's food. The other piece of communication skills, well, is kind of like that, how to learn how to be bold yet assertive with kindness and truth and love and not going from either extreme of just taking it or being aggressive. And then one of the key things that helped was lo- using I statements, I feel X, when you do Y, please do Z. Now, I didn't always get my Z, but at any rate. And the other thing is, you know, hey, I wanted him to change all sorts of ways, but God's plan was to have him change in different ways. And I really had to step back and realize, oh, man, he is changing. It's just not my way. Why don't you change my way? But at any rate... So, but I was very thankful any, for any of those. And then again, to, really, this was a very key one, to see Jesus and try to respond in a way that pleased God and hardly even saw him. It was almost like I'm seeing Jesus when there was a conflict. And then there was another tricky one, and then that is that I would be praying like crazy for myself. I would be journaling. I'd be reading the Bible. And a lot of times he would make me angry for something And it didn't work. I couldn't get rid of that anger. And then, I don't know, I guess it was the Holy Spirit that took me and just said, ask him to pray for you. So I'd go to my husband and I'd say, please pray for me. And I wouldn't tell him what it was. I didn't say, because you did this. No, I didn't say anything. I just said, I need prayer. And he would pray for me. And it would work. And I was just crazy. But then I sort of thought, in retrospect, he was being put up into his role as spiritual leader in our family, and, and it helped. 
that just was amazing. Anyway, what do you have to say? I couldn't have said it any better. <laughs> That's cheating. <laughs> I'll have to repeat that. From lots of congregations in the church, absolutely. Actually, these things still come out in me once in a while, maybe not infrequently. I was very much focused on myself. Everything rotates around me. I would sort of agree with people if that agrees with me. I do things if that makes sense to me. And I was disregard her desires, her wishes. And when I recognized that that are sinful and inappropriate, I asked God to change me to become more sensitive to her needs and desires, and by God's help, that has changed me a lot too, and that, of course, had tremendous benefits. And you need to communicate. I mean, you're not all of a sudden perfect. You need to continuously communicate and ask for forgiveness, something I wasn't very good at. And now it's very easy for me to ask for forgiveness, especially when I see I really need to ask for forgiveness. (laughs) One of the uh, slides that you mentioned uh, is that we shouldn't become doormats or enablers. And I had to think often, I had this mistaken notion that Jesus was just this kind, benevolent person that was always just trying to bridge the gaps everywhere he went. But the reality is there were times where he had to walk away. There were certain toxic relationships with the Pharisees, even with Judas, for example. Um, He had to let Judas do his own thing. Not that he agreed with it, but there were certain relationships that he walked away with Pilate and with Herod where he couldn't convince them. He didn't agree with them, um, but uh, he had to let things go the way they were going to go and we were warned even in the scriptures to beware of those that are in you know wolves in sheep clothing etc and so sometimes for our own sanity we 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 can try and i really appreciate all the things you walked us through i think those are really um important and and weighty things but there we will also have to realize there are times where where we will have to walk away for our own sanity or to, to protect ourselves or our families or for whatever situation where there are, where there are toxic people that um, are harming us in, in various ways. Yes, and that's good. The Henry Cloud and, and John Townsend's books on boundaries um, are very helpful for that. God clearly has boundaries. Um, and then sometimes when there's, you know, maybe a marriage or very close relationships, you may have to set up certain boundaries in order to continue to develop that relationship. And then there's a further book, Beyond Boundaries, because some boundaries are just self-protective and we really need to get beyond that because we are not truly loving the way God wants us to. So those are two good. And then The Weight of Glory is um, an excellent read as well. And, of course, total forgiveness. Um, It's not just forgiving the way human nature or we can just tolerate somebody, but we need to truly forgive. And that's a huge step as well. Well, again, it's important. There There are a lot of references, but you are steered by God's word, not by people. Anything that takes you away from the word of God, from the Bible, is inappropriate. 
We are not led by people, we're led by Christ and His Spirit. And listening and being quiet are very different. When you th- other person is talking, you'll be formulating your answer. You're not really listening. You're how you're going to figure out how you're going to answer, and you didn't listen to a word the other person said. So you should truly listen before you talk. So there's listening to the person, and there's listening to the Holy Spirit. And so while someone is talking to you and you're listening, you're listening in the flesh, you know, to what they're saying, kind of. But you're also listening to what Jesus is telling you about that person. Because he can, as you develop those gifts, he can tell you really what the issues really are. You know, what you have to really minister to. is supposed to be over I think our time is, is up thank you all for coming thank you for your comments and forgive us if we messed up somewhere 